0: With Dr. Frank Turick, A couple of years ago, I was at uh, Central Oklahoma University for an I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist presentation. And there was a young uh, girl there that got up to the microphone. Oh, she was in her early 20s, maybe. And she, young young girl, early 20s, well, since so I'm 57, I can call her young. In any event, um, she had a lot of problems with the God of the Bible. She said, I can't believe in a God that would kill people in the Old Testament. For example, I can't believe in a God who would kill everybody in Noah's flood. I can't believe in a God who would kill the Canaanites. And obviously, this has some, uh, it gives, gives us some pause as we, we read and we go, why, why would a loving God do this? Why would he kill all these people? How is that loving? I thought this was a God of love. How can you explain this? So I began to explain that God is not just love. He's also justice. In fact, he's infinite love and infinite justice. And when God kills people, it's not murder for him. In fact, I asked her the question, when God kills somebody, is that murder? And, of course, the answer is no. It's not murder for God to kill somebody. Why? Because God is the author of life, and he can resurrect life, and he can do what we can't do. He can kill any one of us at any time for his own reasons because he is the author of life and he can resurrect us in the next life. If Christianity is true, then people don't really die. They just change locations. In other words, they go from this life to the next life. And it's up to God uh, when that happens. Whether people are two years old or 82 years old, it's up to God as to when He moves people from this life to the next life. So it's not murder for God. I went through all this, explained it. Of course, I recommended Paul Copan's book, Is God a Moral Monster? For those of you that don't have that book, you ought to get it, because Paul does a wonderful job of dealing with these difficult issues, particularly from the Old Testament. And then I asked her this question. I said, can I ask you a question? Sure. I said, when it comes to the issue of abortion, are you pro-life or pro-abortion? You want to call yourself pro-choice? Fine. I'm just going to ask you what is the choice in any event? Oh, she said, "Oh no, I'm I'm pro-abortion." And I said, "Forgive me for pointing this out, but let me ask you this. Why is it that when God plays God in the Old Testament and he decides who lives and who dies, he God is immoral? But when you play God here in this life and you decide who lives and who dies through abortion, that somehow that's your moral right. Can you justify that for me? Well, of course she couldn't, because you can't justify that. When God plays God, in fact, when we use the phrase God playing God, what does that mean? What does it mean playing God? Well, it means it implies that God has the authority to decide when people live or die because he is the author of life, and he is the authority over life, and he can resurrect life. It's up to him. In fact, he is the ultimate moral standard. God has no obligation, A, to create us, or B, to keep us, lo- to keep us alive for such and such a period of time. It's up to him. If he has an overall reason, an overall plan for what he's doing, he can take people out at any time. In fact, you might ask people, is God obligated to keep you alive, pain free, for eighty years, or eight, 90 years, or hundred? Is he is he obligated to do that? Well, that would imply a moral standard as well. Why would you Why would you think God has that obligation? So it's interesting to me that the, the people who say, many of them who say God is immoral for killing people, think they have a moral right to kill people. Personally, God doesn't have that that right, but they do. That does. That doesn't follow to me. Now, you might say, well, it's not a human being in the womb. Well, we'll get to that here in a minute. The point I want to make here, however, is there seems to be a big inconsistency here. And people don't want to acknowledge it. Now, of course, some people who are complaining about this are atheists. They have no moral standard by which to judge God in the Bible. I mean, if there is no God, then there is no moral standard, no objective moral standard. And how can you say the God of the Bible is immoral? You just might not like him. You may not think that it doesn't line up with your subjective preferences. Okay, fine. But he's not really wrong because there's no such thing as really right. And in order for there to be something really wrong, there has to be something that's really right. In order for there to be injustice or injustice, there has to be something known as justice. And only and justice can only exist if God exists, because he is what we mean by the standard of justice, and by the way, he is the only being that can ensure justice is done. You know that justice justice is an active virtue in the idea in, in the sense that justice needs to be done to be real. And we all know that things are are unjust here on earth. Anybody who's complaining about anything, either politically or personally, when they think an injustice has been done, is assuming that there's a standard of justice out there. They're assuming that. And if there are injustices in this world that are never made right, then the only way justice can be made right is in the afterlife. And there has to be a being, A, who knows all the injustices that have been done, and B, has the power to correct them. And that being can only be God. And let me say, C, there has to be a standard of justice, and that's God's nature. The buck has to stop somewhere. It stops with God. So anybody who has a complaint about anything is assuming a standard of, of justice, and they are therefore assuming God. As we've said before many times, anybody who thinks there's evil in the world is presupposing good, and that person presupposing good has to ground good in God's nature. If he or she doesn't, they're not judging or they're not grounding it in a objective Source. They're just having a subjective feeling one way or the other. Now, why are we talking about this today? Well, because in a few days we will have the 46th anniversary of the famous Roe v. Wade course, uh, course (laughs) case, (laughs) the the Roe versus Wade case, which in 1973 legalized abortion in all 50 states. All 50 states in 1973 had a had restrictions against abortion. And then seven unelected justices in black robes overturned the will of the people in all 50 states. They somehow found a right to abortion in the document known as the Constitution, even though the Constitution mentions nothing about the topic. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is called judicial activism. Now you say, why is that so bad? Because it means that you don't govern yourself. Not only has the Constitution been violated, your personal rights... self-governance have been violated. Now, you may be listening to this going, well, I like the decision. Well, you may like the decision, but that doesn't mean the decision was arrived at in a constitutional manner. If you want people to have a right to abortion, you have to convince your fellow citizens to pass a law which gives people the right to that. The right is not pre-existent in the Constitution. It's not in there. And if you're going to say it is, then why have a constitution at all? Why not just make up rights as we go? Without a Constitution, then nothing is secure. Or if people who get to the court don't respect the Constitution, then again, nothing is secure. We don't, we don't have rights that can be protected by a government who decides one day you have a right, the next day you don't. No. Rights don't come from governments. Rights come from God. And you have to make a case, by the way, at least from a moral perspective, that God gives people the right to kill other human beings. And I don't think you're going to find anywhere that God is giving people the right to kill other innocent human beings for absolutely no reason at all. And that's what goes on on the issue of abortion. So we're going to talk about it today, and we're going to deal with some of the objections you hear. Well, don't impose your values on me, and uh, abortion is done for a good reason, and you know what would happen if... All these people were born into poverty. All these kinds of objections we're going to deal with today. And maybe later in the program, I'll get to some of the questions you've sent me if we have time. But I have a lot to cover here today. This is an issue we need to deal with because it's a moral issue. In fact, both sides are arguing it's a moral issue. Those who say the the baby has a moral right to life and people who say that a woman has a moral right to, to choose an abortion. Well, how do we adjudicate that? We will. I'm Frank Turek. Back in just two minutes. Don't go away. Welcome back to Cross-Examine with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network website, crossexamine.org. By the way, I want to thank you uh, for putting up positive reviews about this radio program and podcast on the Cross-Examine official podcast location page there on iTunes. If you you would if you would continue to do that, it for some reason, I don't know why this is, but it helps move the... Uh, podcast up the charts, and when it's moved up the charts on iTunes, then more people listen to it, and it's our hope that more people will get become Christians or stronger in their Christian faith by listening to it. So, if you would uh, go to iTunes and put a positive review up there, that would be very, very helpful. Put it up on the one with my picture on it. Our great uh, social media and international director Jorge Gill handles all that, and there's a picture of me up there. There's actually two places you can go for this podcast, but if you go, put it up on that picture, the picture podcast one, the official podcast, that would be very helpful. You can put it on the other site as well. That's fine. But uh, put it up there if you would. Five-star review if you could. If you don't like this program, you never heard this. All right. My name is Frank Turk, And I, I want to point out that um, uh, last, uh, well, it's been it's been almost three years now, there was a lady that wrote an article in National Review. Her name is Frederica Matthews Green. and She was a feminist. And she wrote this article about her transition from a feminist position to a pro-life position. And here's what she wrote in this article. This is telling. She said, I changed my opinion on abortion after I read an article in Esquire magazine way back in 1976. She said, I was home from grad school flipping through my dad's copy and came across an article titled, What I Saw at the Abortion. The author's name was Richard Selzer. He was a surgeon. He was in favor of abortion, but he had never seen one. So he asked a colleague whether next time he could go along and actually see an abortion. And the woman was at 19 weeks pregnant. She was uh, lying on her back on the table. And that's the way most abortions are done after the 10th or 12th week. So the woman is lying on her back on the table. And the doctor performing the abortion inserted a syringe into the woman's abdomen and injected her womb with a chemical solution which would bring on contractions and cause a miscarriage. She goes on to say that this method isn't used anymore because too often the baby survived the procedure, chemically burned and disfigured, but clinging to life. Newer methods, including those called partial birth abortion and dismemberment abortion, more reliably ensure death. Unquote. Yeah, I'm sure that does. You start tearing a baby apart in the womb, that's going to cause the baby to die. All right, let me go back to her article. After injecting, get this, get this, folks, stick with me on this. This is going to get a little bit dicey in the sense that it's not going to be pleasant, but it's the truth. After injecting the hormone into the patient's womb, the doctor left the syringe standing upright on the mother's belly. Then Seltzer wrote, quote, I see something other than what I expected here. It is the hub of the needle That is in the woman's belly that has jerked first to one side, then to the other side. Once more, it wobbles, is tugged like a fishing line nibbled by a sunfish, He went on to say he realized he was seeing the baby's desperate fight for life. And he, he watched. And as he watched, he saw the movement of the syringe slow down and then stop. The baby was dead. Whatever else an unborn child does not have, he has one thing, a will to live, or it could be a she in there, by the way. She will fight to defend her life. The last words in Seltzer's essay are Whatever else is said in abortion's defense, division of that the, the the division of that child defending its life will not vanish from my eyes. And it has happened that you cannot reason with me now for what language for what can language do against the truth of what i saw unquote. now the writer goes on to say this the lady who is the feminist says the truth of what he saw disturbed me deeply there i was anti war anti capital punishment even vegetarian And a firm believer that social justice cannot be won at the cost of violence. Well, this sure looked like violence. How had I I agreed to make this hideous act the centerpiece of my feminism? How could I think it was wrong to execute homicidal criminals, wrong to shoot enemies in wartime, but all right to kill our own sons and daughters? Many years ago, I wrote something in an essay about abortion, and I was surprised that the line got picked up and frequently quoted. I've seen it on both pro-life and pro-choice context, so it, it appears to be something that both sides can agree on. I wrote, quote, No one wants an abortion as she wants an ice cream cone or a Porsche. She wants an abortion as an animal caught in a trap, wants to gnaw off his own leg. Unquote. Now let me say something about what she just wrote there. Actually, I, I might disagree with that a little bit. Because there is a man by the name of Willie Parker who claims to be a Christian and he's an abortionist. And he's about to debate my friend Mike Adams, Dr. Mike Adams from Fearless Faith. Uh, those you may know That Dr. Mike Adams, myself, and Detective J. Warner Wallace come to churches and do a fearless faith program where we try and equip young people and also their parents before they go off to college. The young people go off to college with the truth. And Mike speaks on this issue of uh, free speech and abortion and other issues in this fearless faith program. And by the way, if you want us to come to your church, just go to our website, crossexamine.org, and uh, and, uh, contact us there about it. Anyway, Mike is debating this guy. February 21st down at University of North Carolina at Wilmington. I think it will be streamed so you can watch it. Anyway, this guy Willie Parker was at a, a, a recent event out in Seattle. And there was a woman sitting next to him, a feminist of some kind, who was talking about abortion. And she was bragging about how, she, how she's had abortions and how the one she had at such and such a clinic was her best one ever. And people were clapping. And Willie Parker, the so-called Christian, abortionist, was clapping as well. How do you clap at the death of a human being, an innocent human being? Doesn't sound like she's caught in a trap and wants to gnaw off her own leg. It sounds like she's trying to celebrate something and maybe trying to cover the void in her conscience with applause. Now maybe When she wanted her abortion, she wanted it because she thought the baby was a threat to her in the sense that, oh, this is going to get in the way of my convenience. This is going to get in in the way of of my career. This is going to get in the way of what I want to do. This is going to get in the way of my autonomy. Now, that is the real reason. In fact, as I've argued many times on this program before, 99 times out out of 10, as my friend Richard Howe says, That's the real issue. People aren't Christians. It's not that there's not evidence out there. It's not that the Christian worldview lacks evidence. It's just that they don't want Christianity to be true because Christianity is going to interfere with their autonomy. They want to do what they want to do. They're not on a truth quest or on a happiness quest. After all, why would you have so much emotion about Christianity? When somebody tries to present you the evidence that it's true or tries to present you or gets you to think about whether Christianity is true, why all the hostility? Why all the animosity? Why all the... All the... All the... What's the word I'm looking for here? What, why are you pushing people away who are just trying to bring to you what they believe is eternal salvation for your soul? Why would you be upset with people who are trying to prevent you from going into a very dark eternity? In fact, it was the atheist Penn Gillette of of uh, Penn and Teller, the, the comedy team, who a number of years ago was brought a Bible after his show out there in Las Vegas by a very sincere man. And Penn was going on in this little YouTube video how this guy was very sincere. And he said, I want you to have this Bible. I, I want you to know the, the truth of Christ. I want you to be saved. I, I want your sins to be forgiven. And Penn went on to say, although he, did, he doesn't agree that Christianity is true, he went on to say, this man was sincere. This man cared about me. And he said, if you really think Christianity is true, you couldn't hate me more. By not evangelizing me. In other words, if you you don't give me the gospel, you're hating me. Because you think that my soul is in jeopardy. And yet you're not going to do anything to tell me that it's in jeopardy? You hate me if you don't tell me. Here's an atheist who at least gets it. In any event, what about this issue of abortion? Is it really a human being in there? Well, let me ask you a question. Let's suppose you're out hunting. You're a hunter. You've got a, hunter, uh, a, uh, a hunting partner with you. And uh, you hear a little rustling in the bushes. And you're, you're separated from your hunting partner. And so you're out there hunting deer. Uh, and uh, you're not sure if there's a deer in the bushes or it's your hunting partner. Should you shoot first and then ask questions later? No, obviously you've got to identify whether that's a, a deer or a human being before you shoot. And if you're not sure, if you're in doubt, you don't shoot. Or let's suppose you're a parent and you hear a pounding at the door one night and you don't know whether it's a burglar or whether it's a thief or whether it's just somebody in distress. Maybe it's your daughter who's out that night. Do you shoot through the door? Or do you try and identify who the person is before you shoot? Obviously, you try and identify who the person is before you shoot. You you, you don't want to accidentally kill your daughter. In other words, if there's any doubt as to whether a human being is there, you give the benefit of the doubt to life. You say, oh, it could be a life, so I'm not going to kill it. It could be somebody I really care about. I'm not going to kill it. could be a human being there. Now, obviously, if it's a if it's somebody who's going to hurt you, you have the right to defend yourself someone's trying to come into your house and kill you or kill your family members you have a right to defend yourself but the point here is is that you give the benefit of the doubt to life you ensure who that being is before you shoot so if you have any doubt as to whether a human being is in the womb you should be pro-life now of course there's no doubt scientifically genetically there's no doubt what's in there everybody admits now that a human being there's no question about it. All geneticists know this, and yet people still want to kill people by making an arbitrary, an arbitrary distinction between a human being and a person. What what is that? Why why are you having this arbitrary distinction? That's a human being in there. That person has the right to life. And we're going to talk more about it when we come back. I'm Frank Turek. You're listening to Frank Turek on Cross Examined on the American Family Radio Network. Back in two. I mentioned at the top of the program, ladies and gentlemen, I was at Oklahoma or Central Oklahoma University a couple of years ago, and uh, the, the video from the Q&A that I, I mentioned is actually on our YouTube channel. You can watch it. And in fact, we sent it to all of our subscribers, our email subscribers, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, so... You can see that there if you want to see that exchange I had. It went on for about 11 minutes, actually. I abbreviated it for the top of our program. But if you want to get one video a week from us, and usually they're short videos. 11 minutes is probably the longest one we have. Usually they're about three or four minutes. And they're Q&A videos from the college campus. If you want to get one a week that you can share with other people, all you need to do is text the word evidence to 44222. That's 44222. Text that word, evidence, to 44222, and we will send you one email a week. We're not going to share your email address with anyone else. And you'll be able to share this with other people, and we have people signing up all the time for this because they find these very short videos very helpful. Uh, again, you you know you might send somebody a 40-minute video, they're not going to watch it. But if you send them a 2-minute or a 3-minute or a 4-minute video, a Q&A video, they're going to watch it. Uh, so again, all you need to do is type the word evidence to 44222. You'll not only get, by the way, this one video a week. You'll also get the complete download of the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist PowerPoint in PDF. It's uh it's the PowerPoint presentation I use when I present the evidence. And by the way, I'll be at Ohio State this week doing that. Uh, actually next week it's uh the 23rd. No, let me get this right. It's the 28th, Monday the 28th, I'll be at Ohio State University. The day before that, on the 27th, I will be at a church there. I believe it's Westerville Church in in uh, Westerville, Ohio. So it's near Columbus, Ohio. So the 27th, I'll be doing three services at Westerville Christian Church. All the details are on our website. And the next night, I will be at Ohio State University. And that starts at 7.30 p.m. in the Great Hall Meeting Room right there on the Ohio State campus. So if you can be there for that, love to see it. That will also be streamed online, by the way, on Facebook, crossexamine.org Facebook page, and also Our website, crossexamine.org, so you can see the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist presentation and all the Q&A that we do there. And as I say, the Q&A that uh, I mentioned at the top of the show with this young woman who is objecting to the God of the Old Testament because he kills people, that Q&A is one of the Q&As on our YouTube channel, and it's one of the Q&As you'll get if you text EVIDENCE to 44222. All right, let me go back to this issue now. This is the moral issue of our day uh, because literally, if that is a human being in the womb, we are killing about 900,000 human beings in America every year. And there is a website out there that you can get a lot of statistics on abortion. In fact, if you type abortion statistics, it'll be the second website that comes up uh this is let me just get this exact website for you uh it's called uh let's see i just had it here a second ago it's called abort73.com abort73.com now that is a website devoted to the elimination of abortion if you want a website devoted to keeping abortion legal you could go to the Guttmacher institute and look at their statistics and when you compare the statistics on these two websites they agree. Here's a, here's a rare situation <laughs> where we don't seem to have a lot of fake news going on. Both sides are reporting accurately, at least in the statistics they have on their websites, the truth about abortion. And let me just point out some startling things about abortion. In, uh, the, in the United States, The highest percentage of pregnancies that were aborted were in Washington, D.C. 38% of pregnancies aborted. New York, 33%. New Jersey, 30%. The lowest percentage of pregnancies that were aborted, where do you think before I say? What state? Yeah, you're right. Utah, okay? At at least the Mormons may have theological problems, but uh, they've they've got the pro-life thing down. South Dakota, 4%. Wyoming, less than 2%. In fact, in 2015, approximately 35% of all pregnancies in New York City, excluding spontaneous miscarriages, ended in abortion. That's according to the Center for Disease Control. Okay? 35%. In fact, more black babies are killed by abortion in New York than are born. Let me say that again. More black babies are killed by abortion in New York City than are born in New York City. I don't care where you stand on this issue. That's a tragedy. Now you might say, well, again, um, maybe these are for good reasons, like rape or incest they think is a good reason. By the way, if someone ever comes up to you and says, well, how could you be against abortion in, in the case of rape and incest? Well, that's a human being in there, but let me just ask you a question. Let's suppose, politically, I was for keeping abortion open to people who are victims of rape and incest. Politically. I mean, I still think it's immoral, but let's just say, politically, I'm for that. Let's keep it open to victims of rape and incest, but let's ban all other abortions. And, of course, you know, life of the mother, yes, we get it. Okay, fallopian pregnancy, okay, fine. Yeah, we get that, okay? Okay. Everything else, all these convenience abortions, let's let's have a law against it. Would you join me in that? 99 times out of 10, the other person is going to say no. Then you can say, well, why do you bring up rape and incest at all then? Because it has nothing to do with your case. You don't really care about the issues of rape and incest. You just want abortion legal, and you're trying to use what people consider the hard cases to try and justify convenience abortions. Again, I want to be absolutely clear. I don't think rape and incest is a just moral justification for abortion. But from a legal perspective, might we say that if we kept that open, would you join us in banning all abortions? They're going to say no. no. So why do you even bring it up? In fact, Florida, in 2015, they record a reason for every abortion that occurs within its borders. In 2015, there were 71,740 abortions in Florida. This is all from this uh, Abort 73 website. You can look this up yourself. And what percentage of abortions do you think were the result of an incestuous relationship? In other words, that's the reason they gave for abortion. Here's, here's the answer. 0.001%. How about rape? 0 five percent How about a woman's life endangered? 0.065%. The truth of the matter is, according to this, more than, let me do the math here, more than 98% of the abortions were for elective reasons, convenience reasons. 98% we just don't want to have a baby. I just don't want to have a baby. Can you believe that? That's that's what the stats show. This is the state of Florida just gathering the, the information revealed by the people getting an abortion. 0.288% women's health. 0.294% women's psychological health. Fetal abnormality, 0.66%. In other words, more than ninety-eight and a half percent of the abortions done in Florida were done for we just don't want a baby. <laughs> Come on, friends. We're better than that. We allow that as a society? I mean suppose your back's turned to your kid. You got a you know, you got a five year old, and you hear your five year old saying, Daddy or mommy, can I kill it? What should be your first question? Yeah, what is it? Is it a mosquito? Please. Is it a puppy? Uh, no. How about a baby? No. The issue on abortion is what is in the womb. And we know scientifically, genetically, it's a human being. In fact, when you were fertilized, there were only four things separating you from from adulthood. Time, air, water, and food. Those are the same four things separating a two-year-old from adulthood or a 10-year-old from adulthood, time, air, water, and food. Well, we don't kill the two-year-old or we don't kill the 10-year-old. Why do we think it's okay to kill the unborn child in the womb? We shouldn't, yet we do. Now, ladies and gentlemen, who are the science deniers? It's certainly not the Christians. It's certainly not the pro-life people. We know genetically it's a human being in there. And this this arbitrary distinction between a human being and a person, that's just arbitrary. You you're just claiming that people that are inconvenient to you are, to you are not persons. But it's still a human being. Where does that end? Well, you know, at one point the United uh, the uh, the United States Supreme Court said blacks were not persons and they had no right to life or at least no right to freedom when it came to slavery, Dred Scott 1857, look it up. Who are the science deniers? It's not the Christians, it's not the pro-life people. We know an unborn child's a human being. We know that there are two genders. We know there's a genetic code out there that can only be written by an intelligence. We know that the universe was created, and if the universe was created, there must be a creator. There's got to be a cause, in other words, that transcends the universe. And In fact, the entire scientific enterprise is built on the law of causality. You deny the law of causality, you can't do science anymore. You're not doing science. If you deny causality, yet it seems to me the atheists are the ones denying all this. It's often the people on the political left that ignoring science, it's not the Christians. By the way, you know I often ask people who are not Christians, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? Well, here's a question you can ask with regard to abortion. If an unborn child was a human being, would you be against killing that child? Same kind of question. Now, if they hesitate or say no, again, the problem isn't in their head, the problem's in their heart. They don't want it to be true. They want to ignore it. They want to run from the truth. Who are the science deniers? It's not the Christians, ladies and gentlemen. You know, we used to sacrifice ourselves for our children. Now we sacrifice our children for ourselves. We used to sacrifice ourselves for our children. Now we sacrifice our children for ourselves. My friend Mike Adams, who, as I say, will debate this so-called Christian abortionist, February 21st at University of uh, North Carolina at Wilmington was in a debate with former head of Planned Parenthood and uh, he said something that I think hit the nail right on the head when it came to abortion. She tried to say, oh, it's just, it's not really alive. in And he looked at her and he said, dead things don't grow. That's right. And a baby in a womb is growing. It's not a squirrel in there. It's not a bat. It's a human being. I'm back in two. Oh, Frank, don't impose your, your morality on me. It's wrong to impose moral positions on other people, your morality. Is that your morality? If so, why are you imposing it on me? Why are you telling me I ought not impose ought nots? You're doing the same thing you're telling me that I can't do. You're imposing your moral outlook, that you ought not impose moral outlooks, on me. When You're doing the same thing you claim I can't do. The truth is, ladies and gentlemen, everybody wants to impose a moral point of view. Everybody tries to legislate morality. The only question is, whose morality? In fact, when people say, don't impose your morality on me, I say, look, this isn't my morality. I didn't make this stuff up. I didn't make up the fact that murder's wrong, that rape is wrong, that theft is wrong, that abortion's wrong, that men were made for women and women were made for men, and the best way to perpetuate and stabilize society, which is the reason the government's involved in marriage to begin with, is to legally recognize the man woman marriage relationship over any other sexual relationship. I did not make any of this stuff up. This is not my morality. This happens to be the morality, the one Thomas Jefferson said was self-evident, the one the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 2, that the Gentiles who do not have the law, in other words, people who don't even have the Bible understand right and wrong. This right and wrong is written on their hearts. So it's not my morality. It's not your morality. It just happens to be the morality. I'm just recognizing it. So if you have a problem with the morality, you don't really have a problem with me. You just have a problem with the creator whose very nature defines morality. And if you're going to try and make a case for your moral position, you have to have grounding for that moral position. Where do you say, or what grounds your position, that a woman has a moral right to kill her own child? Where does that come from? And how could that possible moral principle supersede the right of the human being in the womb to live. When you have a conflicting moral position, yeah, generally women have a right to control their own bodies, of course, but not when there's another body involved. There's a human being in there. And to say that, well, a woman has a right to kill another human being, that just doesn't seem, (laughs) it doesn't sound right, does it? Because it's not right. In fact, You can ask a pro-abortion people this question. It's okay to kill a baby when, fill in the blank. It's okay to kill a baby when you just don't want it, when the baby's poor. Why don't you kill all poor toddlers then? Oh, the toddler's already here. Well, the unborn child's already here too. It just hasn't passed through the birth canal. Passing through the birth canal does not change your DNA. You're still a human being. Abortion is really just discrimination based on where you live. That's what it is. You live in the womb, you don't have any rights. You're outside the womb, suddenly you have rights. That's just arbitrary, based on where you live. It was Ronald Reagan who said, I've noticed that those who are in favor of abortion are already born. Yeah, if we could put you back in the womb, where would, what, what would you want the, the, the law to be? Dr. Seuss said it well. A person is a person, no matter how small. Dr. Seuss had it right, ladies and gentlemen. Mother Teresa put it this way. How can there be too many children? That's like saying there are too many flowers. Hmm. There's too many children. No, there's not. In fact, in our country, we're a dying nation. We don't have enough children. Gandhi said this. It seems to me clear as daylight that abortion would be a crime. Pope Francis said this. The right to life is the first among rights, unquote. He's right about that the right to write the the right to write the right to life is the right to all other rights if you don't have life you don't have anything abortion stops a beating heart and it breaks another heart sometimes it kills two hearts not only the unborn child in the womb but sometimes the mother nobody gets out alive And this is not even to go into all the negative effects, health effects on the woman after the abortion, to say nothing of the the fact that the child's dead. That's been well documented. But people don't want to hear that. They want to suppress the truth to go their own way. They want autonomy rather than truth. They're not on a truth quest. They're on a happiness quest. Now, time out, ladies and gentlemen. I don't want to sound too strident here, because sometimes Christians, we're doing the same thing. Sometimes we want to suppress the truth to go our own way. Sometimes we want to avoid those inconvenient truths. So we all do this. And we, we however, have to call one another out when we do. So when you look at what, why people get abortions, none of it's justified. Only if. It's only justified if the woman's life is in danger. Other than that, it's not justified. You're taking an innocent human being's life. Now, um, Jay Budziszewski, who is a brilliant natural law philosopher, teaches at UT Austin, on his blog called The uh, Underground Thomist, said said this a few years ago. He said, What educated people now call their common sense is largely a collection of dogmas pumped in from the outside because these dogmas dogmas are often pumped in under the guise of liberation from dogma they often pass unrecognized we are entering a strange era in which in some respects the educated know a good deal less than the uneducated what does he mean by dogmas well these dogmas that you have a right to choose that's a dogma that's a slogan as soon as you ask the right to choose what they're going to run into trouble In other words, people have all these slogans they've heard from the left. None of them are true. And as soon as you ask them to defend them rationally, they can't. Why? Because it's indefensible. That's a human being in there. And you've got this dogma out there that a woman has a right to choose, or a child has a right to choose his or her gender. And and a, and a parent doesn't have the right to try and counsel that child to intellectually accept the gender that they are. Again, it's not, the, it's not the right that's the science deniers. It's the left. And I say that with all due respect to my friends on the left. If you're going to deny the basics about human beings, then you've just crossed a line to where people can be defined away as human beings. They're no longer human beings, and that is extremely dangerous. We're already killing people in the womb. We're already killing people now in some states like Oregon who uh, are being killed because they're old, euthanasia. And it's, in many respects, the road to Nazism. And I don't say that cavalierly, because that's what the Nazis did. They just defined the Jews as being non-humans. They defined the homosexuals as non-humans. They defined the the Jehovah's Witnesses as non-humans. The gypsies, they're undesirables. Get them out of the way. They're not really persons. Get them out of our way. They're they're getting in the way of what we want. We're trying to create the super race, and you people, or excuse me, you non-persons are taking up resources from the super race. So you need to get out of the way. You see, if you don't have the proper view of human nature, everything's going to crumble after that. And by the way, let's take a macro view here for just a minute of this. In the pre-modern world, people believed in objective natural reality and objective supernatural reality. You know, in the ancient world, people knew that there was basic cause and effect in the natural world, but they also thought there was a supernatural realm, and that was objective. In the modern world, the scientific revolution, people started to believe, well, there's only objective natural reality. There's no objective supernatural reality. And now, here in the post-modern world, People believe in no objective reality in nature or supernature. You just make up your own subjective reality, which of course is self-defeating. They're saying it's objectively true. There are not objective truths, as we've pointed out several times. But think about that. If you just create your own subjective reality, then there is no humanity, objectively. You can just define people out of human existence and then kill them if they get in your way. I mean, even the modern view, while it can't ground objective reality, or it can't, I should say, ground objective morality, even modernists can use biology to recognize what a human being is. But if you're going to deny biology, as the postmoderns do today, well, then the gig is up, man. Then anybody can be defined away as not human. You can see the problems with this here, ladies and gentlemen. So, what should we do as Christians? We have to fight for. Pro life legislation. We have to fight to protect innocent people. And we are. Now, a lot of people say, well, I wish you'd be pro life outside the womb. You know, that's kind of a, a leftist phrase. Well, we are pro life outside the womb. But pro life people don't have to agree with everything or with every political program to supposedly help people already born. That's an ends and means discussion. In other words, we all agree on the ends. We ought to take care of people. The question is the means. How do you do it? Is it government handouts or is it trying to create an economy whereby a rising tide lifts all boats. People can disagree over that. But don't tell me I don't care for people just because I don't agree with every political program, every political welfare program that you want to put forth. In fact, why are you rightfully upset when a child dies crossing the border, but you think you have a right to kill a child if he crosses your autonomy, if the baby is somehow inconvenient? You should be upset when a child dies crossing the border. But you should be even more upset when we deliberately kill children just because that child crosses our autonomy, gets in the way of what we want to do. I mean, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, ladies and gentlemen, we have to agree that we don't really have a rational defense of convenience abortions that's a human being in there, and we should protect it. So do what you can, ladies and gentlemen. Put pressure on your politicians. Become a politician. Speak the truth in love. And always, if you're listening to this and you've had an abortion, put all that under the cross of Christ. Christ forgives every sin. Every sin. Just now be a warrior to prevent such sin occurring in all right, friends, I'm Frank Turk. You can see more of this on our website, crossexamine.org. Don't forget to text evidence to 44222. Evidence to 44222. See you next week. God bless. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.